Welcome to the Shannon Plan. This is episode 92. Episode Charles Aminihue or Carrie Hyder, depending on who you like more. My name is Kyle Posey. Akash Anabarathan is a ghost. He's on vacation. I don't know where that guy is, man. He's probably um, golfing somewhere. But I am joined by Rob Guerrera, Rob Stats Guerrera, Rob Guerrera, who brings on people who hate Trey Lance. Rob, how are you doing? <laughs> no, apparently I did. I talked to Chris Sims of NBC and uh, he, he didn't have too many nice things to say about Trey, I have to admit. That was good, though. And honestly, we can we can talk about that. We can we can bring on people who don't always agree with us. I think the world of Trey Lance, I think Lance is going to be good. But getting other perspectives, that's the fun part of this. And everybody doesn't have to agree on specific players. We're not always going to agree on things. So um, Trey Lance has actually taken a back seat this week because there have been other things going on in 49er land because there are always other things that go on in 49er land. Uh, before we get into that and you guys will find out what that is let's read a review because we do appreciate everybody that does listen takes the time to leave us five star review so this one is from trident mike he says i've been a niners fan since 1980 so i'm a bit older than most listeners i listen to and enjoy all the shows my favorite is the shannon plan shout out to you mike kp and akash not rob offer great <laughs> insight and analysis even though i don't bet i learn something from michelle each week michelle's great I appreciate Rob for putting everything together and publishing content every day. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Again, please rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars. Wherever it is you get your podcasts. All right, Rob. So OTA started this week for the 49ers. Last year, OTAs was pretty quiet, and then Jeff Wilson suffered an injury. And that was pretty much the news story then. This time around, no injuries, thankfully, but... Javon Kinlaw, who, for those of you who don't know, has been rehabbing around the facility. Um, he's been battling knee injuries, and I mean, he just hasn't been on the field. So there is a reporter who goes by the name of Grant Cohn, who also has been known to be a little bit of a guy who pokes the bear. Let's just let's just say he he tends to do things to get a rise out of people, and he's very good at that. He's incredibly good at that, actually. So. Uh, he had a run-in, a literal run-in with Javon Kinlaw. So a little backstory here. Grant, not the biggest fan of Kinlaw. He has said some things about Grant that he probably wouldn't say to his face. And he found out that he had to say those things to his face. So according to Grant, uh, Kinlaw, like they were face-to-face during Tuesday's OTA practice. And he said, Grant said that Kinlaw actually chest-to-chest with him. They exchanged words, not so pleasant words, um, involved plenty of curse words. And Kinlaw actually knocked Grant's head off, or Grant's head off. Well, he wanted to knock Grant's head off. He (laughs) knocked his hat off from Grant's head, and it went flying. That led to, later on, Kinlaw ended up hopping on a stream with Grant. And from there, I mean, he just blew up. He lost his cool. Um, To be clear, before he lost his cool, Grant started out saying, like, hey, I'm – essentially just provoking him more and more saying, you know, I'm going to be richer than you. I'm going to be more famous than you. And it just one thing led to another kind of snowballed. And then Kinlaw, as I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the clips by now. He just started saying things that you probably don't want to say as a professional player. And for whatever reason, and I, I know why, but it led to people kind of picking sides, whether it's, you know, Grant has his, junkies, I will call them, and they're going to defend him blindly no matter what he does. 
And then there are all people on the other side saying, you know, okay, Kimball had every right to react the way he did. And I feel like in this case, you know, there are, everybody's wrong. Like that's the easiest way to put it. But um, what was your initial reaction when you saw this? My initial reaction is like you said, both sides are at fault. There's, I have a rule when I do a show that I would never say anything on a show or, you know, during a radio interview, whatever, that I wouldn't say to that person's face. That's my personal rule. Grant doesn't seem to abide by that. He says a lot of stuff that I wouldn't say about players. He throws a lot of stuff against the wall. He's very provocative. That's clearly, he wants to get a reaction out of people. He got one out of Kinlaw. Kinlaw should not have threatened Grant. You, you cannot have players, anybody threatening anybody else. But in this case, it's a player threatening a reporter. He threatened him physically at the facility by knocking the hat off his head. And he threatened him in the live stream as well. You cannot have that. So both sides are at fault in this thing. That is, I think that's clear. And if you can't admit that, then I, I don't know that we can have this discussion. And not saying you specifically, just people sure. in general. Yeah. So, I mean, when you put your hands on somebody and when you say, my family can find you, you are setting <laughs> yourself up for, I mean, for a lot of bad things. And, and I think we have to look at this from all different points of view. So let's take it from the 49ers PR perspective, because you have, you're like an athlete, you have a player on your roster and you see him saying all these things, you see him. And in my mind, I don't view what he said as a threat, but I know that it sounds like that. I know that it comes off like that. I know that it could easily be spun like that. So with that in mind, like they have to probably do everything they can in their power. They're thinking to, you know, hey, we got to get Kim out of here. We have to talk to him. We have to do something where this never happens again. So I don't know that we're going to see Kinlaw at the podium anytime soon. I mean, you've talked about this. Like Kinlaw is awesome when he has a mic in front of him. Like he will be honest. He will give you an answer. He will give you a raw answer as we found out yesterday. Right. Um, it can it can be emotional and it can be an outburst. But when, when he speaks with the media, he's great. So it, it, it doesn't seem like that's going to be a thing anytime soon. What do you think the 49ers will do um, from a PR standpoint? They need to do something. This is a big test and you mentioned this to me in our slack before we hit record the Niners have a new head of communications Corey Rush is there now taking uh he was there last year I think was his first year he took over for Bob Lang who had been there forever this is exactly what the person in that role has to manage and it'll be mm -hmm. interesting to see how they do they have a bunch of options right they could do nothing to Kinlaw and just take away Grant's press, uh, press credentials so that that separates those two that wouldn't be a thing they could they could restrict Grant's access or they could do the opposite. They could do nothing to Grant and punish Kinlaw. Uh, before we recorded today, I was actually in a space with Grant and I asked him if he's been in contact with the 49ers, what their response to this has been with him. And according to him, and you know, I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, but what he told me was, I told everybody in this space, the Niners have been nothing but apologetic that they have said that this is not who we are. This is not what we represent and that they are not restricting his access or pulling his credential in any way. So we'll have to see, but this is a big test for the Niners because, yeah, like this has become a thing now. It's on TMZ. Like this is not something they could just brush under the rug. Once TMZ picked it up, you're like, oh, this is real. 
Like there's no way that they're going to be able to escape this. And yeah, it's May. Yeah, it's usually a quieter time. And, you know, OTAs, when we're talking about OTA practices, like these guys are in helmets. There's no shoulder pads or no pants uh, or there are no like football pants. They're not pads. So um, it doesn't seem all that serious. Um, like we can take the reports what we see for a grain of salt, for example, like Nate Sudfield threw a, a touch, a deep touchdown to a wide receiver who's probably not going to make the team. That was the highlight <laughs> of Tuesday's practice. Well, that was the highlight unless you're, Unless you got wind of the Kinlaw story. So all that is to say, there was no getting around this, man. And when TMZ picked it up, you you knew it was going to be real. So let's let's look at it from another angle. Like, if you're Kinlaw, why did you go on that stream? Why? What what good could have came from this knowing, you know, the provocateur you're talking to, knowing that eventually the bear was going to get poked so much that he was going to respond and... I mean, again, it was an emotional decision and he acted on those emotions. And that's why we're here. I think part of it is like he was clearly frustrated with Grant. Uh, whatever he was hoping for in that interaction with Grant at the facility, I don't think he got. So he maybe felt like there was some sort of unfinished business. But I think the other side of this is that Javon Kinlaw is not the only player that has a problem with Grant Cohn. Eric Armstead does clearly. Armstead quoted or actually tweeted out an edited portion of the video with Grant and said, this is the type of low life that we let into our building. He would rather antagonize and provoke players into hitting him so he can retire instead of his quote job of journalism. So clearly there are other players. I'm sure they've talked to one another before this about Grant. I'm sure they probably talked after the incident at the facility. So Javon kind of said it in the stream. Like I'm doing this because I feel like you need to be called out. So he probably felt like, he was doing it for some of the other players on the team that had a problem with Grant. That's a good point. And I think just as you mentioned, Ken Law, just as you mentioned, Armstead, there's probably like five, seven, ten other players on the team that feel the same way. But when I watch the interviews, like when I'm I'm there at a lot of these. And like when he speaks to Kittle, for example, yesterday, Kittle was a little upset about one of the questions that Grant asked just because um, he felt like, the injury wasn't like they were just talking about the injury in two separate terms. But for the most, most of the time, like Kittle and Grant's rapport is very good. Uh, Jimmy Ward is constantly talking to Grant and he actually brought his name up yesterday too. Uh, brought Grant's name up yesterday. So like on the other side of the coin, I feel like there are players who, I don't, I don't know, maybe tolerates the best way to put it, but um, I don't feel like they, they feel the same way as like an arm center Ken does. So for Grant to react like this, like, cause he can poke the bears. Other, like, people are going to respond differently, no matter what. Like, always. Like, Jimmy Ward and Kittle are going to respond differently than an Armstead and a Kinlaw would. So, um, but again, just going back to the the initial question, the original question, where, like, if you're Kinlaw, what are you doing here? Why are you doing here? There has to be somebody to step in. But again, if you get like a private, I imagine if you get a, a text from Grant saying, hey, hop on this after everything you just went, Ken was like, hell, yeah, I'm going to hop on this. We're going to talk about this. And I don't know if, if he was there was any forward thinking involved, thinking about the type of questions that you would have asked. But um, it <laughs> nothing good was going to come from him hopping on this. OK, if you're Grant, go ahead. Oh, uh, well, the other thing I was going to say is like Grant knows how to pick his targets. He, he talks about Mike McGlinchey a lot. Mike McGlinchey is someone whose future with the 49ers is up in the air, right? They picked up his fifth-year option. We didn't know for sure that they were even going to do that. Same thing with Kinlaw. His future's kind of up in the air. You know, Jimmy Ward and George Kittle, like, 
they got their money. They got their extensions already. So maybe they're not as sensitive to the stuff Grant's saying because like George Kittle's not going to get cut by the 49ers. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is probably like, hey, if I don't have a good year this year, I might be in trouble. So that, you know, that probably led to some sensitivity also because Kinlaw, look, let's, this is somebody that was homeless at one point in his life. The, the football is important to him. He knows what it's like to have actual real struggles and, you know, you got this guy, Grant, that's constantly antagonizing you, maybe costing you your job, certainly not helping him keep his job. So I think that goes into it, too. Yeah. And, and that's another thing, man. You, you have to think of and we haven't really talked about this, but the Kinlaw's background is unlike anything you've ever seen um, for most athletes, for most humans. So and bef- this was a big story leading up to the draft. So here's here's an excerpt from an ESPN article. So it says, Javon Kinlaw has childhood memories, gunshots, dead bodies, needles, addicts. He doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to think about it. He doesn't block them out. He just doesn't want to talk about them. They give Kinlaw bad dreams. They wake him up in a cold sweat. It's what he calls trauma, and he doesn't want to go down that road. I'm not comfortable talking about a lot of stuff like that, Kinlaw said, end quote. So he's been dealing with this for a while, and – when I say this, so obviously there's a lot of emotion involved in, in any of this. And in his mind, you know, he's been working his butt off to get back from rehab, like to get back from his injury, like rehabbing at the facility, as we talked about. And you could understand what he wanted to say. And I think that's a lot what gets lost. And obviously he didn't handle it as he should have. But um, what, what, what Kinlaw wanted to say was nothing you can say is going to hurt me or take me lower than where I've already been. Because as I just read, he's been through everything. But what gets lost, and, and Grant's not the only, like, I do this sometimes. We, like, we all talk about these athletes. Like, we, we dehumanize them. We treat, sometimes we treat them as subhuman. And, like, in Grant's case, he, he did find the low-hanging fruit in Kinlaw. Because, obviously, you know, based on his emotions, based on how wound up he was, like, this was always going to happen. But, um, like, the, the message was clear his emotions didn't let him speak on that though. And I understand why Kinlaw reacted that way. I understand what Kinlaw wanted to say. And I understand, I mean, it's easy to see all sides here. And that's, that's the tough part because again, when, when we bring this up, there's going to inevitably be people defending Grant. There's going to be inevitably people defending Kinlaw and we don't have to pick sides here. I don't think that that's, that should not be your outcome here. That should not be your objective is, Oh, well, this guy did it this way, or because it's Grant, you don't have to, you know, hate Grant because you naturally feel some type of way about Grant. You don't have to, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. So, um, man, second day of OTAs, man. <laughs> Can we just go back to talking about the backup quarterback right. situation? Like, holy hell, I didn't think we'd be here. Uh, I do wonder what the reaction to this story would be if it was Matt Mayoko instead of Grant mm. Cohn that was involved. Now, it would never be. Because right. you can't cover a team diff- more differently than Cohen and, and Mayoko do. But I do think that is influencing how some people feel about the situation. But you're right. If you can't see the blame on both sides, you're just not willing to look at this thing objectively. So sp- speaking of Matt, and just like most of the reporters, they are critical of the players, but they just leave that in the writing. They don't <laughs> they don't publicize it or um, they don't go out of their way to at players or just publicly demean them. And I think that's the biggest difference here. And that's why people feel some type of way about Grant. But man, do you so what happens here? I guess that's that's the bottom line before we move on here. What is next for Kinlaw? Is it they put him on a quote unquote probation and we don't see him until this blows over in the middle of the season? 
because come training camp, like offensive players speak one day, defensive players speak one day. Once we get to the regular season, if Kinlaw, if week one, Kinlaw balls out, if in the preseason or if he's having a big training camp, he's going to have to speak. And this is going to inevitably come up again. Nobody, like, Grant is going to be there and he's going to <laughs> ask him about it. So like, what happens next? What do you think, man? I almost wonder, I don't know. See, this is like, I feel like I'd have a better read on it if Bob Lang was still there, but I almost wonder if they don't do anything formal, right? Mm. What they do is they keep Javon out of the media, which we know they're very good at doing, keeping players away from the microphone yes, when they, they want are. to. <laughs> yes. They so are. I think they're going to do that. I think they're going to tell Grant, like, look, we're not taking away your press credential, but stay the hell away from Javon Kinlock. Cause now reporters can be in the locker room. Now I think they're going to say, just stay the hell away right. and we're not going to do, we're going to try and resolve this without any, anything publicly. And then if they can get away with it, then they'll get away with it. If anything else happens, then I think they're going to have to publicly say, issue a statement, say that Javon Kinlaw, you know, was in the wrong something. But I think the ideal solution is to just separate all parties and try and move on. Oh, we shall see, man. Trade oh. Jimmy Garoppolo so then everyone forgets <laughs> right. about this. That would be amazing if that was the outcome. If this is what it took to trade Jimmy. All right, <laughs> we got to do something. So here's what we're going to do. Carolina, take this guy already. Um, okay. It's just there is a football practice, man. We've been waiting so long to talk about football. And Trey Lance threw the ball. And unfortunately – like, we're not even talking about that. There's a new franchise quarterback that we finally get to see. Kyle Shannon has this shiny new toy, and we had to lead with this. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Trey Lance, who, again, like, we've talked about this a little bit, but you can tell not only is he just more com comfortable, confident, like, I'm, and I'm speaking about in his press conference, things are going to be different with this quarterback. And you can see that you can get a sense of that in the media. He's a lot more outspoken, I feel like, this this time around, and I love it. And I, when I say that, so one of his quotes was, so Trey Lance was asked, um, I'm just like the, the Chris Sims, and, and Chris Sims is far from the only person who, you know, has questions about Lance. And when I say questions, that we have seen some crazy things, like Trey Lance is going to have arm fatigue as a 21-year-old, which is nuts. But there's inevitably going to be doubters for Trey Lance, and in this case, there's naturally going to be people on social media just trying to get attention. So he was asked, you know, how do you feel about that? And Trey Lance said, quote, um, well, he was talking about the P to the PR guy and he said, I feel about. Um, OK, so he said, quote, it doesn't change how I feel about you guys as people, but it's not my job to care about you guys or say or anyone else for social media. For me, I care about the guys in the locker room. And end quote, what he essentially what he was saying is and he, he went out of his way to say, I don't want to hurt your guys' feelings, but you don't matter to me. <laughs> like, I have a job to do, and I'm going to ball out for my teammates. I'm going to ball out for the guys in the locker room. I'm not concerned what happens on social media. I don't care what the loud noises are on the internet. We have gotten to a point where everything revolves around social media. Social media is not real, man. They don't care about this. Of course, there, there are players that will inevitably search their name, but come on, man. Like why, how is this a thing for Trey Lance? But it's, it's nice to know that he's comfortable saying that he does come off as a, a natural leader. And I mean, everything that we've been hearing about him, just as far as, you know, his work ethic goes, it, it's going to be tough to root against him, 
But you watched Trey Lance yesterday. What, what were some of your takeaways from seeing it? I definitely agree. Like we are seeing a different Trey Lance than we saw in his rookie year. I think he's even said he was kind of swimming a little bit last year. He was a little bit overwhelmed with everything. It's a lot going from North Dakota State, going to the NFL and, you know, potentially kind of being thrust into a quarterback controversy as soon as you get there. This year, he's calmer. He's relaxed. He basically told the media he had zero to give when it came to what they thought of him, which is Awesome, considering how much we have talked about Trey Lance's 10 quarters. And I just think that he has the right temperament to do this job in this spot, especially this year when you know he is going to be under the microscope. Even if he plays well, if the 49ers don't get to the freaking NFC Championship game, people are going to be bashing him. <sighs> uh, a first-year starter, and he has that those level of expectations on him. Think 22. about the – yeah, man. Think about all the other quarterbacks his age. Nobody's expected to make the playoff. Most quarterbacks at this age, when they're first-year starters, aren't expected to go over 500. And you just said NFC Championship, and that's a real thing. And the crazy part to me is, and it always, it always comes back to Jimmy, um, they were expected to win 10 games last year with a stacked roster. And because the results worked out, because they made the NFC Championship, the quarterback gets credit. I don't know if it's going to be the same way this time around. And I'm not saying that the 49ers are going to make the NFC championship. I just cannot wait to see like who gets a share of the blame, who gets a piece of the pie and who gets credit for the success. Is it going to be Kyle Shanahan? Because it sure seemed like it was Kyle Shanahan doing it the last couple of years, but the offense boggled down so often that it, it still led to win loss records when we we're talking about the quarterback. I don't know, man. It's, Let's talk about Trey Lance's finger because that was a key part of the discussion. The reporters were adamant on knowing when he got healthy, when that finger finally healed. And Trey went out of his way to say, first of all, he's 100%. He didn't have to have an offseason procedure. He did say towards the end of the season it got close. And that that was something else that you know often gets left out when we're talking about the quarterback competition from last season just because it was close. And then Trey Lance had the finger injury. And then that's where – they started to separate himself because he couldn't practice. But what was your take on some of, uh, you know, some of the, uh, can we call it finger gate? <laughs> oh God, that, that sounds dirty. Um, it does. I think part of this, uh, part of the reaction by the press corps was like the surprise because he was asked, what did you work on mechanically in the off season? And he brought up the finger all by himself. That And so he said he dealt with his finger throughout the off season and, it was kind of getting back to throwing the way he threw before the finger injury. And so then people were like, wait, what? How serious is this? Now we got to dive back into it. And eventually we found out that he couldn't extend his index finger all the way because it, he had a chipped bone in it and he couldn't grip the football properly and he couldn't use it when throwing the ball. That kind of seems like a big deal to me like a lot of people talked about how he doesn't throw a spiral well it's really hard to throw a spiral with four fingers especially when the one you can't use is your index finger so you know i think that it caught people by surprise i don't think this means he's going to be super accurate now and start throwing darts everywhere but i think it's going to help and i think it you know it was illuminating to me because it seemed like so innocuous in the preseason is like oh he dinged his finger he stayed in that game against the Raiders and you know he played week one first drive of the season he's in the red zone throwing touchdown passes so you know you didn't think much of it but it was obviously a much bigger deal than we realized 
Man, it, it really was. And think about it. So high draft pick, like he comes in with expectations and he met those expectations early. So I was at training camp and he was outperforming Jimmy G. Like everybody was keeping track of the stats and whatnot. If you watch them play, if you watch how they were, how they're each playing, sure, Trey had some inconsistencies, but that first week of practice, you're like, holy cow, holy cow, this guy really, really might start. And, and then the injury happens. And as you mentioned, quarterback who has injury on throwing hand isn't going to be the same like how is that how can that be possibly how can that possibly be ignored when we're talking about um, a quarterback competition so thankfully he doesn't have to worry about that um we will see if he has to look over his shoulder and worry about uh jimmy g because kyle shanahan brought up um well he was asked has anything changed on the garoppolo front and he went out of his way and said uh well I expect him at some point most likely to be traded, but who knows? It's not a guarantee. And it's been exactly on hold when that happened, when that happened, meaning uh, Jimmy's post or off season shoulder surgery. So uh, Shannon said, when he's healthy, we'll see what happens. It sounds like he expects Jimmy G to be traded by training camp. He's going to, so what? We got about two months to go until training camp starts a little over two months, part two months and three days, whatever you want to call it. So, but is that enough time for Jimmy not only to get healthy, He's he's going to have to prove to teams that he can throw. I feel like that's being ignored. So if I'm Carolina, what, pick out a list of five teams, whoever, who's a potential and, and a quarterback needy team for Jimmy. How do you trade for a guy without seeing him throw? I'm going to want him to work out. I'm going to want to see what he can do. I want to see if he has the velocity. I want to see um, if his shoulder holds up. So that he's going to have to be, go through that. Do you think two months is enough time to work everything out? Yeah, I think it is because I think eventually the price is going to be so low that it's it's not going to be an issue. The Niners want to get rid of them. They need to get rid of them. They have the lowest amount of cap space in the league right now. They have, I think it's like around $700,000 in cap space and they need to sign their entire rookie draft class. So that's going to be a thing too. Uh, and I just think that eventually Garoppolo is going to get healthy enough and the Niners asking price I think is going to be low enough that a deal is going to be done. And hopefully, I think for the 49ers' sake, in a perfect world, Trey is having such a great training camp and there's all this hype around Trey Lance that they don't even care about what they get back in return for Garoppolo. Yeah, that would be a nice story. Just So we don't have to concentrate on what, what offers they're fielding from Jimmy just because all the headlines are offense actually can throw the ball down the field. <laughs> Offense doesn't have to operate over the middle of the field with 12 other defenders because quarterback cannot throw the ball outside of the hashes. Um, yeah, it'll be fun, man. You, you bring up the cap space. You bring up not signing their draft class. As of today, over the cap has the 49ers cap space at $673,000. <laughs> that is insane. There is no team in the NFL who has a lower amount of cap space than the 49ers. So congrats on being in first place there, uh, San Francisco. <laughs> you do not have enough money to not only sign your entire draft class, you don't have enough money to sign Drake Jackson. So I'm uh, going to have to work out some of those extensions, going to have to work out some of those restructures, or that quarterback guy that we've been talking about, uh, that can be a thing too. What do you, um, ha have you seen something like this? Have you seen a team – get into May after the draft and not have like even a million dollars in cap space. I've never seen it where they could make one move 
One single move, not have to restructure anybody else's deal, not have to kick the can down the road for anybody else's contract. All they got to do is cut Jimmy Garoppolo and they get $18.5 million immediately. Immediately. And then they'll get the rest of it when he signs with a new team. And they haven't done it. They don't do it. Like, that's the crazy part to me that they are this cash strapped and can ease. It's like if you were tied up, right? Someone was holding you captive and you were tied up. (laughs) And you could just untie yourself and leave the room, but instead you choose to be tied up. That's where the 49ers are. So they signed Jason Rett earlier this month. And the only reason that they were able to do that is because they got a veteran salary exception. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not. Like that's how much against the cap, uh, up against the cap they are, man. Just it doesn't even make sense to say those things out loud, but um, okay. So before we get out of here, let's just run down a list of the injuries. So uh, the 49ers were without a ton of players at OTAs yesterday. So uh, Toronto Williams wasn't there. Mike McGlinchey, Daniel Brunskill, Fred Warner, Jason Red, Nick Bosa, George Kittle was present, but he wasn't participating. And uh, Kittle wanted to make sure that everybody knew he was there um, <laughs> for those that did not see the media portion and the offensive line consisted of Colt McKivitz, obviously, since no Trey Lance, but Aaron Banks and Jalen Moore were the guards. So we can expect those two to start, or at least, you know, they're, they're going to have the opportunity to start. Still no word on Alex Mack. Kyle Shannon said, I've got a pretty, pretty good idea of what he's doing. And he ended with, I'm sure you guys do too, essentially telling us he's going to retire. Then later, Kittle, he didn't say that he's going to retire, but he said at Alex Mack's wedding, he was trying to convince his wife to play another year. Or sorry, he's trying to convince <laughs> Alex, Alex Mack, uh, yeah, that he should play another year with his wife. So I think the writing is on the wall that Alex Mack's not going to come back, and that pretty much tells us that Daniel Brunskill will probably be the center. So Brunskill's out; he has knee tendonitis. Aziz Shire, he's recovering from shoulder and knee surgeries, which he had at the end of the season. As is Demetrius Flanagan Folds, who also has knee tendonitis. Each of those three are probably going to be held out. Um, until mandatory minicamp or training camp. Uh, Kinlaw and Mike McGlinchey are ahead of schedule. And he, uh, Shannon said he believes that both players will be ready for training camp. Debo, contract, so he's not, he's not going to step on the field as long as he has a rookie deal, I imagine. And Shannon expects, he did say he expects Debo to be back for mandatory minicamp, including Trent Williams and Nick Bosa. One thing that Shannon said, and actually real quick, Tarverius Moore was full speed and practicing, and he tore his yeah. uh, Achilles. So Talano Ufunga was the starting safety. I think it's going to be more once he gets up to speed. Um, that guy's athleticism, assuming that it returns to like what what it was ninety percent before the injury, he's going. I think he's just going to be a better player than Ufunga. But um, one thing on Debo. So Shannon said, um, just when talking about his contract, if they can get something done, he said, I feel the same, if not stronger, when discussing you know whether or not Samuel's contract situation would be resolved. So to me, that's just Shannon admitting, Debo, you have no leverage. I don't know what else you plan on doing. Um, you're going to have to sign this. What would you make of, of that? Yeah, I think that it was Shanahan kind of saying like, hey, I know if I get the chance to talk to him, we'll work this out. But he's 100% right. He has Debo has no leverage. And A.J. Brown just signed a contract that is going to be essentially the contract that Debo gets. So like. I don't, he has no grounds to hold out for 25, $27 million a year when AJ Brown just signed for 19 real dollars, 19 million real dollars a year. Like that's, there's just no way the 49ers are ever going to give you 25. So you just kind of have to take 19. 
I want to know what he's going to get. I want to know um, it's going to get done. And we don't have to pretend that it's not like a deal is going to get signed. Debo's not going to sit out a freaking season. No. Um, I I think this is going to be blown over. I think so. They talked about, you know, the mending the relationships and whenever other players talk about it, like Kittle, for example, it, it doesn't seem like his relationships are going to be affected in the locker room. Like they understand what he's going through. This is just part of the business. Um, do you think there's any chance that we see a different version of Debo as far as personality wise, or um, it will all this be blown over and then come week one against the Bears when Debo has like five receptions for 75 yards? We're going to like nobody's even going to remember this happened. Yeah, it may linger for a little while. Kittle has talked about it. Richard Sherman's talked about it. Like it gets ugly. Contract negotiations go anytime your employer says, we think you're only worth X and you think you're worth more than that. It's you take it personally. Now, how soon you can get over that Kittle and Sherman kind of said, look, once it was done, I had my money, like we move on, but some people are not built like that. And so he may be a little salty when he first comes back, but I agree with you. I think by the time Chicago comes, especially if he goes out against the bears and balls out, I think it's going to be fine. I think eventually all will be well. Well, hopefully all is well for Kinlaw, the 49ers, <laughs> Trey Lance, and everything going on in the Bay Area. Goodness, what a 24 hours it's been. This was only the second OTA practice. Um, hopefully we just get a concentrate on football from here on out. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Please, as always, rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars. Uh, let us know what you like about the show. My name is Kyle Posey. You can follow me on Twitter at KP underscore show. Rob, where can we find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at StatsOnFire. That'll do it for us. As always, go Niners.